This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Mandy Bell, Cleveland Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com. I'm Sarah Langs. I do research and reporting for MLB.com. This is Fielding Questions, and this week... We are getting into superstition. Baseball superstition. Oh, baseball superstition. Oh, my God. Let me see. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so here's what I do think. You can't change your socks ever. I flip my socks. Can't wash them, can't change them. I fold the logo upside down. I used to have lucky socks when I was a kid. Same socks every day. I have to listen to a specific song. I like to put my hat in the same place. It's the Rocky theme song, which is a little embarrassing, <laughs> but it's funny. When the announcer goes, you know, he's in a slump of a bump. You don't expect him to get a hit, guess what? He gets a big hit. I wish I had it in my pocket, but I don't. That's why I'm not lucky right now. The announcer jinx, that's what it is. <laughs> I take a deep breath and I close my eyes. It makes me calm and like, it makes me get it over the plate. All strike three. There's his, look at him jump over the line. I couldn't imagine baseball season without talking to Sarah Langs. You guys probably know her as Sarah Langs or Slangs on Sports on Twitter. I know her as Sarah, who's my best friend and the only person on the planet who I can turn to to talk about baseball at any time of the day. I can't imagine that I've only known Mandy Bell for a few years. I can't believe it because I truly cannot remember experiencing baseball without texting her at all hours of the night, as she said, and morning, more at night, more during games, and talking about the game that we both love. So we're going to dive into why a handful of different things make baseball the best, the absolute best game in the world. Each week, we'll have a question about the game, and we'll start by sharing why it's so important to us. It'll kind of be like you're listening in on our phone calls. Then we're going to zoom out and tell you more about how that question fits more broadly into baseball history and into the game today with some incredible stories, including some from players themselves, both retired, current, and up and coming. And hopefully, by the end, we'll have an answer. This week, let's start with superstitions. They call Hargrove the human rain delay because of the way he goes through all sorts of gyrations, not only before setting up in the box prior to the first pitch, but in between pitches. He had an at-bat recently against Jim Palmer that was timed at 7 minutes and 30 seconds. Watching baseball, it's the number one sport for superstitions. I think we all know that. Bags the barrel into the bat against the shoes, reaches behind him, left hip pocket, readjusts the glove, readjusts the donut he wears on his left thumb. And it sort of made me be ridiculously superstitious in every sport. Again, a readjustment of the glove, again, a readjustment of the donut, readjust the glove. But not even every sport. It was watching television 
if if I was watching a game and I'm sitting in a certain seat and my favorite player hits a home run, I'm not moving from that seat for the rest of the night. Here's Hargrove hitting one deep, going back. Charlie Moore and another home run. I don't know if that's exactly how you were growing up, but that's how baseball sort of affected me. It is exactly the same. Somehow being a baseball fan just gives you this power where you feel like you're influencing the game, which is so silly when we think about how powerful and just accomplished and successful all of these baseball players are. And here we are sitting in our couches, watching a TV or sitting in the stands, and as kids really feeling that we can influence the outcome of the game. Hmm. But that's what superstition is. And let me let me just put this into perspective for you of how much it took over my life. Even when I was playing different sports other than softball, when I played tennis before my matches, it would start up. And I, I don't know if you remember there was a time where Gatorade had come out with this three-step process of what to do to prepare for any activity. Dry mouth, time to refuel. Step one, you would have the pre-drinks. I don't know if you remember these. Oh my gosh, I remember the TV ads for that. Sometimes water just isn't enough. You rip off the top, it was this plastic bag with this weird liquid in it that didn't quite taste like Gatorade, it was supposed to help give you energy. I'm sure that didn't help me with anything, but I did it every time. Then I would go out and I would have my cooler with me to have beside the court. I would have water and red Gatorade every single time. And I would have my towel sitting there. I would go out and before each time that I was serving, I would have to, my first serve, bounce the ball in odd numbers. It would always be in sets of three. So if I was already done with my three bounces and someone else was messing around, the other opponent wasn't paying attention just yet and wasn't ready, I'd have to do another three. It would not be one, it would not be five, it would be three. Of course. And so if I served into the net and I needed a second serve, that one had to be even numbers and that one was in sets of two. And if I somehow messed it up, it was all I could think about throughout the entire game until I could switch sides again to get back and reset myself and be able to go through my ridiculous process. Oh my gosh. It was everything. And even to this day in the press box, like if I think I had a good story that I wrote the night before and I was using a certain pencil, I got to use the next pencil the next day until I feel like I sort of had a clunker of a story. And then I switch up the utensil. It's amazing how it just permeates everything, right? I mean, you're talking about your tennis career and somehow you're being a baseball fan made its way into your mindset that you had all the superstitions. I mean, for me, I think of my mother, my absolute favorite baseball fan in the entire world, who's also a really accomplished scientist. And she is so superstitious about her team, the San Francisco Giants. And my late grandmother, her mother, used to sit there and say she did not understand how a woman who knows science, knows so many more things than the average person, is so, so intelligent, could be so rooted in superstition when it comes to sports, when it comes to something she had no control over. 
She had lived her life around baseball fans and finally really got into it sort of in the twilight. And she was a San Francisco Giants fan. And if you know one thing about the 2010 and all of those even your San Francisco Giants teams, the word used to describe them was torture. <laughs> the bottom of the 12th, they trail by three and now face Brian Wilson. Because the bullpen would make it really tenuous. And this is a save opportunity. It would be very stressful. But there's a base hit by Denorfia. He has a couple of hits. My grandmother's thing was to get up and go into the kitchen. Rip the short So in her house, where she would watch the game, and I guess the den or the living room, and then right around the corner was the kitchen. And she would call me the next day and say, oh my gosh, Brian Wilson pulled that game out. But I ran to the kitchen three times and I knew what that meant. And I feel like that's a superstition too. <laughs> But I think that just shows us the power of superstition. Well, Sarah, we know these superstitions are surprisingly powerful, and that brings us to our question for this week. Why does baseball make normally rational people so superstitious? We'll try to answer it after a quick break. I don't let my brother watch the game if the Mets are on TV. Because every time he watches it, they lose. So that is a superstition, yes. Let's see, my brother's 40, I'm 64, so it's been going on for a long time. <laughs> I'm waiting for my friends. They're late, late, late. Welcome back to Fielding Questions. Today, we're trying to figure out why baseball and superstition seem to be so closely linked. We're going to get into some of our favorite superstition stories from baseball history and even take you back to college for a minute. But before we get into the neurology, Mandy. Yes. What's your best guess at why baseball creates so many strange rituals? For me, my take on it is baseball has so much downtime. And because there is so much downtime, it allows people to get in their own heads. And like you think of any other sport in basketball or football or anything like that, there's just not that much time to sit and be stuck with your thoughts. And I think we all learned outside of the sports world in 2020, when we were all locked up in our houses, what that's like to get stuck in your own thoughts. And it's not fun. And you can come up with your own ridiculous concepts and whatever you're getting stuck on. And I think that's sort of what it's like in the baseball world. And you start thinking about every single thing and that creates the pattern that then becomes a superstition. And I think that's exactly how it was, at least for me growing up. 
And I think it's interesting for fans because I think the same way that maybe players have too much time in between what they're doing to overthink and that's how they can start getting into these patterns. Fans sort of have the same thing. Whenever their favorite player comes up to bat and then doesn't come up to bat again for another nine hitters, you have all that time to sit there and think and come up with whatever pattern you want to come up with. So if you're sitting there and whenever Juan Soto was up last time. Soto off speed. There it goes to center. Senzel back. See you way later. Off the bat. And he had a home run. Then you're going to think later on, well, let me go back to that couch cushion that I was sitting on. Juan Soto. See you way later again. Because clearly, I was the reason that he was able to hit that home run. And the Nats have gone double, single, homer, and it's a one-run game. It's amazing how universal it is because as you were describing like same seats, which is such a common baseball phrase, I feel like you could go up to 50% of baseball fans (laughs) and say same seats and they would just know what you mean. But I think part of the superstition with it also comes from a negativity. Like I think a lot of fans end up with a, if I don't watch something good will happen, Mm -hmm. which is an amazing sort of like self-sacrifice of oneself that I will help my team (laughs) by taking one for the team. You know, we can't go up there and get hit by a pitch, but it's kind of a fandom way to do that. And I mean, that is another sort of fascinating psychological item for me. Right. And then like going off of that, is that sort of maybe a way that people feel more connected to these teams and players as if you're part of this process? And it it might be just a way for regular fans who are sitting on their couches to have this personal connection with larger than life figures that they otherwise wouldn't have. I really think that's part of it. And it's sort of the same way as like when we sit down and we listen to our favorite podcasts or different things like that. I know I listen to like Conan O'Brien's podcast and you sit there and you listen to that week after week and all of a sudden you feel like you're sort of their friend because you have like this connection of when you listen or how you tie it in. I think it's just people trying to also figure out ways to have connections to their favorite players or favorite teams. I know... I mean, we've obviously talked about a handful of our own experiences with this, but these guys are still doing it when they get to the highest level. I remember talking to so many guys from the 2020 Cleveland team. It was now a few years ago, and most of them are on different teams, but I'm sure their superstitions haven't changed because that's been rooted in them forever. Jordan Luplo has to get paper towels and forks. Do you have any weird superstitions? Like, are you a superstitious person? Depends. Depends. Like, uh, I try not to be, but, like, I have this weird thing with, like, paper towels. Like, I have to grab four paper towels. Like, out of the bath. Like, like every when I'm time? washing my hands, yeah, like, I have to, like, grab four. And if it's, like, a slow, you know, the slow-moving, like, automatic ones, I'm just sitting there, like, in the airports, you know? Like, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know why four, but it's weird now. It's like an OCD thing, I think. See, even major leaguers have to do these things. It's not just you and I with our (laughs) amateur sports careers or anyone else out there. 
I do think it's also fun whenever there's guys who take carry their superstitions from the field to their personal lives off the field. Larry Walker, who would always do everything like in threes. Yes. He did everything in yeah. threes. And I think he was married at three thirty three in the afternoon. Oh my gosh. Like that's, that's see, that's next level. And most people would probably think that that's ridiculous. I respect it so much because that's yes. the level of insanity that I feel like I have inside of me as well. So I relate to that in a way. And I think that is fantastic that he took that to the extreme of not just being number 33 and swinging in threes and all those types of things. Married at 333, that's that's next level. That is insane. You know, one guy I really think of with all of this is longtime Red Sox and Hall of Famer Wade Boggs. My next guest has won five American League He had a lot of different superstitions, and it's really fun when you think about how this all runs the gamut. Please welcome the most superstitious player, Wade Boggs. You guys who struggled to make it through a couple of years in the majors, and then you have Hall of Famers like Wade Boggs. And his Hall of Fame plaque even notes that he was legendary for his superstitions. I said in my intro that you are superstitious, and you are. You're a very superstitious player. You have... Uh... It's, it's the nature of the game. Uh, I, I think all, all athletes uh, in some form are, are superstitious because it, it's positive reinforcement that, that you can carry into the game that day. And mm-hmm. Whether it was wearing the same socks for every game, fielding exactly 150 ground balls in practice every day, and every time he batted, he drew the Jewish word high, which means good luck and life in the dirt. But I think the thing he's most known for, superstition-wise, was eating fried chicken before every game. You eat uh, chicken before every game, is that right? Right, every 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 day game or, or just before night game. Uh, <laughs> I have to have chicken. But on day games, uh, the old adage, which came first, chicken or the egg? So you have eggs uh-huh. on, on day games. So. <laughs> Uh, and he even acknowledged all of these in his Hall of Fame speech, but I love the chicken one because his Twitter handle is literally chickenman3010, so 3010, <laughs> his career heads. Uh, another time in Milwaukee, a radio station bought up all the chicken at this restaurant that I go to, <laughs> thinking that this would be the uh, thing that would take Milwaukee over they the They bought break. up all the chicken? All the chicken in this restaurant. I don't know. I mean, we're talking about a Hall of Fame baseball player. The hostess said, I'm sorry, Mr. Boggs, we don't have any chicken. With a Twitter handle that says Chicken Man. So I had to leave. For this reason. <laughs> and it's because of a superstition. Like, how awesome is that? I love the fact that you always picture athletes as these dietitians in a way, like that they have to have this perfect diet, they have to do this, that, and that his superstition was before every game. And think about how many games there are in a season. He has to eat fried chicken. That's, that's so much fried chicken, but I love that. I think that's great. 2,439 Major League games. 2,439 pieces, buckets, amount, some amount of fried chicken, (laughs) not to mention minor league games. I mean, I'm sure these things went back further than just his first major league game in 1982. I wonder if he's sick of fried chicken yet. I mean, I'm vegetarian, so you'll have to tell me if one gets uh, tired of such things. Speaking of food-related superstitions, How about this one from Mike Brasso, who spoke to our own Adam McKelvey? I guess 
to put it simple, would be I, I like to have a payday. I don't know when it started. I think my GCL year, first year in Pro Bowl, it was like one of the things that was on like the uh, the snack tray for the game, and it's part of my routine. I did well, and then just stayed with it. I guess it fits my taste buds. I like the name of it, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, nothing too specific, honestly. I wish I had a better like origin story, but it was it was one of those things that happened one day, and I, I felt good, and I, I did I performed well, and um, I'm a big routine oriented guy, so. Um, it, it was one of those things where, like, you know, you stay consistent with the routine. You, you kind of feel better going into a game. Um, and that's one of the little quirky perks, I guess, I had that one day. And I kind of just fell through with it now. So I try to carry it. It's hard. It's sometimes tough to find paydays around uh, the clubhouses or, or gas stations nowadays. So I, I do my best to, to, to stay with it. I was going to say, like, do you have less, like, a yeah. stash, like a big box of them that you travel with? No, no, I wish. I, I think our dietitian probably wouldn't uh, approve of that. So... I haven't, I haven't got the Costco quantity delivery yet, um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it's on the way here soon. But right now we're just going day by day with the paydays. Okay, first, payday. I picture, I picture like the full, big, king-size bar. Like you, there's all these candy bars that are, that come in the full size, the size that you get super hype whenever you get on Halloween, whenever the good houses give out the big full-size candy bars. And then there's always like miniature versions of candy bars. I don't know if I've ever seen like a smaller version of a payday. So is he knocking back like a full, huge payday every single game? I hope so. I really hope so. I also like it's kind of an off the beaten path candy bar. Oh, yeah. I've never even had it. It's not a top five. I've never tried it. I haven't either, but not knocking paydays, Mike Brasso, any fans, I'm sure they're delicious, but it's not the go-to one at the checkout stand when you're at the drugstore, you know? I love that he sort of said that too. He was like, it's sort of hard to get. It's hard to track those down. And I, I don't, I also don't understand why baseball players are so hesitant to use the word superstitious and they all have to drill home the fact that it's just the daily routine. It's so classic, but I don't know. I feel like in my life when I've had superstitions, defining them ruins them. Like when you say ah. it, then you, it might not work anymore. So I almost feel like it's embedded with that. Wow. That was, that was a live <laughs> mind blown moment for me right there. <laughs> so another guy we would be remiss if we didn't mention is Turk Wendell, who I feel like especially baseball fans of a certain age, maybe people around our age or a little bit older. I feel like he is the guy that people might think of with superstitions. We could tell you about the statistics of Turk Wendell, but first let's talk about the quirks, the things that you should watch from Wendell. First of all, he jumps over the foul line en route to the mound. Then he draws crosses in the dirt behind the mound. Then he waves to the center fielder at the start of each inning while chewing black licorice while he's on the mound. He brushes his teeth between innings. Then he squats usually whenever the catcher is standing. He doesn't eat the day he pitches, and he has an aversion to wearing socks, although you'll see he has them on today. He also is wearing number 13. Pitched for the Cubs and the Mets from 93 to 04. And of course, I grew up a Mets fan, as I may have mentioned here, but I've certainly mentioned elsewhere. And I remember that sort of aura of superstition that Turk Wendell had. 
But I mean, he had he had these demands. He would demand that the umpire roll the ball to the mound instead of throwing it. He would wave to his center fielder before each inning. He would always crouch when his catcher stood up. And then the one that I think of is the necklace. So he would wear that necklace with the teeth of animals that he had hunted. And I mean, it was so imposing, you know, but choosing to wear that. I mean, we haven't even gotten into stuff with jewelry, but guys wearing chains, guys wearing specific things, that's part of superstition too. And for Turk Mundell, it really made him that much more intimidating on the mound. He brushed his teeth in between innings. Like how how do you how do you keep up with that? I mean, his dentist had to be so proud, right? So proud. I mean, so proud. That is free ads for the dentistry department. That is 100% where it's at. But I, I couldn't imagine now, like you think of today with all the technology, the iPads that they have in the dugout where in between innings is so much of, okay, let's look at, let's look at this. Let's look at that. Let's break down with my catcher. Let me think about different things. And uh, let me look at my swing from the last time I went out and you just think about all that stuff. No, he's just down there brushing his teeth, going through his rituals. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Who needs numbers? No. We need dental hygiene. Things I never thought I would hear Sarah Lang say. <laughs> exactly. Another one I think of is a player you covered recently, Oliver Perez. Jumping over the line, you know, that's a common superstition. It goes far beyond baseball, people who don't want to step on the line between uh, sidewalk tiles, things like that. So Oliver Perez, a relief pitcher, also a starter earlier in his career, always hops over the line uh, down the baseline when he goes out to the mound. And he was a a starter on the Mets when I was uh, young and a fan. And it was such a thing, the Ollie hop. And I know that Uh, It was just something that everyone associated with him. And I think that's one that's not even, not even too deep, but just really recognizable and fun. I I mean, I still do that. I like, I, when I walk (laughs) down the street, I only stare at the ground so that I'm not stepping on any cracks. And if I have, see, this is how weird I get. If I accidentally step on one with my left foot, then I have to immediately do it on my right foot because then my left foot just feels like heavier. Of course. If I'm doing it where like it made an impact on something that's non-existent, it's a crack. So clearly it's not even there, but for some reason that left foot feels wrong. And I'm like, I have to even this out. And if I don't, the world's going to end basically, obviously, because I have that power. So of course. I need to make sure. So I, I get that. And that's why I respect whenever <laughs> players take this craziness into their own lives too. And it's funny to go from someone like Oliver Perez, who's been around the game forever. And it's not that surprising to see him in these types of routines. Then you go completely on the other end of the spectrum to a prospect who does the same type of thing as Tigers prospect Riley Green chatted about this with our own Jason Beck. So wasn't playing too well, you know, just a couple mouth things. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to sleep with it, see what happens. Slept with it, got a couple hits there. Confidence was up. My dad was like, hey, man, like if you ever like are struggling, just, you know, just go sleep with your bat again, you know? <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I mean, I, know, I, haven't, I haven't slept with it anymore, but it's just kind of like a mental thing just to you know, get me going, so. What was the strangest thing you did 
along those lines as a kid. Did you ever do anything like that? I never did anything like that. It was just like a, I could come to Jesus moment. I was like, <laughs> all right, I got to figure out something, you know, because I'm the only one that can help me with this. So I just, you know, I just tried something. So, so yeah. It's so funny that he says that his, he knows he needs to do something to fix himself. So sleeping with his yes. bat is the answer. Yeah, like, Nowhere else in any walk of life is that a logical point A to point B. But in baseball circles, it's like, oh, yeah, of course. That makes complete sense. I mean, imagine a lawyer sleeping with his briefcase. (laughs) Or you just think of, like, that would sound ridiculous. Like, you think of other jobs. It sounds so stupid. A doctor with a stethoscope. It just seems so stupid if you would say that. But here, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, that that's pretty cool. That worked for him. And it, what? I love this being from Riley Green, too. I mean, this is one of our top prospects in all of baseball. This isn't Wade Boggs. This isn't someone who has been around the game for 25, 30 years, right? This is a young guy who is very highly anticipated, going to make a great impact on the game. And it's already indoctrinated, even though he said he didn't do it when he was younger, that at this point, at this age, he knew he had to do something. Absolutely. Here's another fun one from Adam Wainwright. I'm almost overly unsuperstitious. Well, I used to have to eat the same thing the night before I pitched and wear the same shirt and couldn't wear blue jeans and, you know, <laughs> couldn't listen to certain types of music and this and that. Couldn't do all these things. It had nothing to do with making pitches. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's all really ridiculous. So now when I start falling into patterns like that, I make sure that I do the opposite, which is almost, in a way, superstitious in itself. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh, this is why Adam Wainwright is one of the greatest personalities in our game right now. He just threw everything we've talked about on its head, right? I love that he realized he was contradicting himself at the very end there where he's like, well, if I notice that I'm going into him, it's not that he just like stops. He doesn't stop doing it when he notices it. He purposely does the opposite. So that in itself is doing it. If you would stop yourself, you're like, oh, wait, okay, this wearing jeans has nothing to do if I'm going to pitch well or not. So I can wear jeans or who cares? Don't even think about it. He's going to do the exact opposite. And if he didn't do the opposite, then he would probably start thinking about it too much. So I love that. This is how you become one of the most prolific pitchers of your generation. I mean, there are very few guys who've been around as long as Adam Wainwright right now. And this is how he was really superstitious. And then he went reverse superstition, not superstition, whatever we want to call this. I love it. I think the longer that Sarah and I keep going here, uh, we could ramble for hours about this. I don't know if our passion for this topic has clearly come through. I think we've done it justice Um, there's so much left to talk about, which is unbelievable of how much we've already gone through. I mean, we didn't even hit on like the curse of the Bambino. You have curses with the Cubs. You have all of these, so many players who have come out to talk about the superstitions that they've gone through. But even in the limited things that we've already discussed, I think we've gotten to the point, Sarah, that we can finally answer our question. I think we're ready. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. to cut the cake uh, when you're on your birthday. You have to, the birthday person has to put the knife down the cake upside down, then the person with the next birthday has to pull it out. 
Welcome back to Fielding Questions. That's Sarah. I'm Mandy. So we've been talking a lot about superstitions in baseball and these sorts of rituals that players develop throughout their career to help ground them in the game. All of this helps them stay focused and centered. And all of this actually reminded me of this paper I wrote in college that I had forgotten about until we started having this conversation. So this was for a neuroscience class I took. And the point of the class was sort of to go through ways that neuroscience had been represented in the media and sort of critique that. And my final paper was called Mirror Neurons Make Us Sports Fans. So mirror neurons are the scientific definition of what you were talking about with a fan feeling close to the game, feeling like they're part of the game. So we're talking about superstition and the idea that you think if you run to the kitchen, he'll get that third strikeout and end the game. But the mirror neurons are actually in our brains and they are activated when something happens on a field or on a court, anything. It's not just baseball. But the idea here is that your brain activity, when you watch a game, when you watch someone succeed, make a basket, hit a home run, get a strikeout, your brain activity is not all that different from the athlete who is actually accomplishing the feat. And I think that this is sort of another link for us in how superstitions come about. Because if your brain is reacting as you see these things happen, almost as if you are out there on the field doing that event, doing whatever the play might be, that is another clue as to how your brain actually thinks hey, I'm influencing this, so I need to make a next step to continue to influence this in a positive way. Wow, that is, one, the most Sarah Lang's conversation I've ever sat through. That was fantastic. Um, and two, that's, that is fascinating. That all ties together and that, of course, you just have this paper sitting on your computer that you had done a few years ago and it ties in so perfectly to this but like I think all of that makes sense I don't think we'll ever have an answer to any of these questions but I think that's the beginning of an answer here I think that superstition in part comes about because we want to be part of the team and maybe there is something in our brains that makes us think we truly are uh, misguidedly so or not But I think it comes from that desire to really be part of the team. You know, I, as a fan, I'm not going to strike anybody out. (laughs) I'm not going to hit any doubles. So here is how I can be part of the game. I mean, if you think about it, for us specifically, both of us admitted to the fact that we were very superstitious growing up, watching our favorite teams, watching our favorite players. I think that sort of roots you as a baseball fan, and it's hard to lose that. And I think not even just for me to be in this position and have this be my job, it's 
for other people, it's their escape from the world. It's their escape from everyday life. And you can have that connection with a sport that I think just goes above and beyond any other game that's out there. So for me, that's what makes superstitions and baseball so much fun. This has been so much fun. Baseball is so much fun and superstitions are such a big part of it, like you said. But we want to hear what you all think. So please reach out to us on social media, MandyBell02 and at Slangs on Sports. Follow us, tweet at us, and let us know what's so great about superstitions. Why do they make baseball so great? And what are your superstitions with the sport? I am fascinated with learning what people do. So please let us know what your superstitions are. I will love to read through every single one. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening and see you all next time. Fielding Questions is a production of MLB Originals hosted by me, Mandy Bell, and Sarah Langs. This episode was produced, mixed, and sound designed by Alexander Overington. Ian Kay is MLB's podcast lead. Special thanks to Matt Myers, Jason Beck, Adam McAlvey, John Denton, and Nick Vinicor. Bye, guys. Oh, baseball superstition. Okay, 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 okay. So here's what I do think. I think that before every game I go to, I do five push-ups. Yeah, my team wins every time. Undefeated, never lost. Never lost. <laughs>